What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about adding to God's plan of salvation. Actually, let me let me look. Yeah, adding to God's plan, creating barriers to the gospel. All right, now that we got that out of the way. Good morning, Terry Crooks. Good to see you. Diana Hart. Diana Harden, good to see you. Sorry. I'm discombobulated. I'm uh, Something is off kilter, and I can't figure out what. It don't take much for me to feel discombobulated. I'm a very much a creature of habit. I would do very well as a cow. You know how cows, they come in from the field, and they go right to their own milking stations, right to their own feed bin and stuff like that, and they'll pass 27 empty feed stations that have feed in them to go to their own feed station because they're creatures of habit. Well, that's what I am. And undoubtedly, something is off, and I don't know what it is. Hello, Rob Leedy. It's good to see you this morning. I'm just kind of killing time till uh, Facebook and YouTube and them build our audience. We're so thankful to those of you who watch this on YouTube. YouTube, by far, is probably the most rewarding platform to uh, live stream and do videos and stuff on. Facebook... Um, Growing on Facebook escapes me sometimes because I'm not very good at building connection. I'm, I do much better as far as building connection with being in proximity with someone. In other words, it's very hard for me to build connection um, through like talking on the telephone or um, messages on social media and stuff like that. It's much better for me to easier for me to build connection. Like take Rob Leedy, for instance, if I wanted to build connection with Rob Leedy, I would come down uh, to where he is and, and we'd go coon hunting might not even talk very much, but to me, that's building connection. So it, it, it's hard for me to, to build the Facebook following. Uh, but because the YouTube promotes interaction with the videos and this is it gives the semblance of being in proximity with one another. I don't know. It, it seems to work better on YouTube for me. Anyhow, all of that to say, thank you for joining in. Terry Crooks says, sorry, I will not be on here for too long. Today is the funeral service for my dad. Please keep me in your prayers. Terry Crooks, we surely will. We surely will. And I, I, I pray that you uh, get through this day with the strength and comfort and solace that comes with being one of God's children. Now, let's talk about the content for today. Uh, first off, most of this podcast is going to be from Acts chapter 15. We'll take a brief excursus. We're going through Acts in our Wednesday night Bible class, and usually what y'all get, uh, like on a Thursday, y'all get a little bit of something that I had a thought of for from the Wednesday night Bible class. But today you're kind of, you're kind of getting something that I've looked at for the future. So we're going to be actually talking about this in next week's class at Riverview. But anyway, you're getting it today. So 
interesting thing about the, uh, well, what, what's it called? Not the, the synod, the council in Judea, in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem council is if you just read the book of Acts, you will get the impression that this was just a bunch of people getting together to decide church doctrine. And I've actually heard certain denominational scholars say that, well, the reason why, like, for instance, the Southern Baptist Convention meets everywhere, every year to decide church doctrine, we get that authority from Acts chapter 15. And I'm like, oh, that's weak sauce, because when I read Galatians chapter 2, and I correlate Galatians chapter 2 with Acts chapter 15, what I see is that the Acts chapter 15 Jerusalem council was called by the Holy Ghost. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Verse 1, starting in Galatians chapter 2. Hello, Deborah O'Neill. It's good to see you. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came in privily to spy out our liberty in Christ, which we have in our liberty, which we have in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we gave place by subjection. No, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you, period. You got to love Paul's sentences. They are very long. Hello, sword and pearl. Good to see you. Reginald Perry. Good to see you. And, um, yeah, yeah. Good to see everybody. So when I look at Galatians chapter two and what's going on there, it informs of what's going on in Acts chapter 15. So when I read here, uh, let's just start reading in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse one and certain men, which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined, they determined, according to the text, with them, or they, they determined rather that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the, unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, uh, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So if you only read Acts chapter 15 here, you'll get the impression that Paul and Barnabas and Titus and some other folks were like, okay, so we're having a disputation. You're saying you need to be circumcised. I'm saying you don't need to be circumcised. I'm preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are being recruited. You're saying that they need to be circumcised and, and be accepted into the fold of Judaism before they can be accepted into the fold of Christ. We need to get to the bottom of this, so let's let's go to Jerusalem. Let's talk to the apostles and the elders there, and let's get to the bottom of this, and let's establish church doctrine. Well, folks, that's not, according to Galatians chapter 2, what happened. 
So I've got to change my perception of this. Notice Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation, Paul and Barnabas with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem and to the apostles and elders about this question. How did they determine it? Because the Holy Spirit told them to. The Holy Spirit revealed unto them that they needed to do this. And again, just for emphasis sake, I'll go back to Galatians chapter 2. I said I'll go to Galatians chapter 2. I guess I'm going to turn one page at a time. I'm not grabbing multiple pages like I normally do. All right. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and then took Titus up also with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Folks, this is not a group of men getting together and deciding church doctrine. This is a group of men being ordered to get together by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to set man straight about church doctrine. So regardless of what we think, regardless of what we feel, regardless of what we like, I've got a, I've got a, um, yeah, boom. Regardless of us, regardless of what we think, God is the final judge and he will do right. Of course, that's Genesis 18.35, but the principle applies to this. Mankind does not meet, no matter how wise the men are, and decide doctrine. God has already bound doctrine in heaven. In fact, there's something to consider. Um, in Matthew, sorry, I couldn't remember, Matthew chapter uh, 18, 13 and following, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, or Jeremiah, or Elias, or one of the prophets. But he saith unto them, Whom say ye that I am? Well, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which art in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now here's the, here's the push. That, so for the purpose, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now you and I don't talk like that today. However, grammatically, what that means is, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven for the purpose. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Grammatically, it's already bound in heaven. So it's, it's Peter's job with the keys. It's Peter's job. It's the apostle's job broadly to only bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The implication is whatsoever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. You see, man doesn't decide doctrine. Heaven is the standard. God is the standard. 
and we ascertain. We don't establish. Now, there's a big difference. You'll hear me a lot, and I, I shouldn't say it, but I'll say, yeah, we need to establish Bible authority. I think, I hope, I have gotten better, and instead of saying the word establish, I try my best to use the word ascertain because establish implies that if I say, well, well, I have to read this Bible and establish Bible doctrine, that means from the conclusions that I draw, I have to establish for myself and others what Bible, what doctrine is, what, what authority is. However, that's not, that's not my role. Authority and doctrine have already been established, and that by God. It is our job to read this book, and we ascertain what is already established. Let me get a definition of that, A-S-C-E-R-T-A-I-N. Ascertain means find out for certain, to make sure of. So the doctrine's already been established. It's our job to ascertain it. It's our job to make sure we know it. It's our job to find out for certain what that doctrine is, okay? Now, all of that to, to, to get into the idea of adding to the gospel. Notice what was going on here. Listen to this. But everyone can see things differently. They can, but they would be wrong. For instance, what must I do to be saved? Some people say, well, all you got to do is say, dear Jesus, I accept you into my heart and I make you Lord of my life and I believe in you and I'm submitting my life to you in Jesus name. Amen. And some people say, well, that means you're saved. That means you've obeyed the gospel. That means you've been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. My question is, where, where do you get that from scripture? Show me in the scriptures. And, and look, even, even people like Paul Washer are starting to, uh, are starting to get on board and be like, you know what? We've duped people for decades, giving them false hope about this stupid sinner's prayer, this so-called sinner's prayer. What John 3.16, that just says how God loved the world. So. I'll, 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 I'll see your John three sixteen. I'll raise you a Mark 16, 15 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So would you tell Jesus he was wrong? Like if you're sitting there with the disciples, now remember, we don't establish doctrine and authority. We ascertain. So you're sitting there with the disciples and Jesus says, Look, y'all are going to wait for a time and you're going to be endued with power from on high. So wait in Jerusalem. You need to, once that happens, you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And when you preach, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you interrupt Jesus and say, no, that's not true. I'd like to know. Like, would you interrupt Jesus and say, well, no, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
you're saying is believe and baptize, but but John three sixteen says that it's just believe. Jesus, you're wrong. Would you have that conversation with Jesus? I want to know. You see, it's not us. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter what somebody we love has told us. It matters what God has revealed in his word. You know, God's not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. Well, that's a non sequitur. So no one is saved through the sinner's prayer is truly saved. No, find me a book, chapter, and verse that authorizes the sinner's prayer. There is no explicit statement, authoritative example, or implicit statement from which we must necessarily infer that someone prayed their way out of damnation and into salvation. I will give you $10,000 if you will give me a definitive passage of Scripture where that is. And again, I know it's hard. It ain't me. Look, we, we don't need to add barriers to entry of the gospel or barriers of entry to the gospel, I should say. But we at least got to have the same prerequisites that God puts. Noah couldn't pray his way out of the flood. In fact, it's not, and, and Reginald, that's a good comment, but it's not just that. Noah couldn't have made an ark that's 302 cubits long and still be saved. He couldn't make an ark that was 298 cubits long and still be saved. He couldn't make an ark with a second door and still be saved. You see, like it's it's so important. See then that you do everything after the pattern. We have to do things the way that we're told. So think about this. Somebody, somebody who is they're on their deathbed. And they say, Tony, I know that I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Okay. I'm scared about meeting Jesus. I want you to make me feel better before I go to sleep this one last time. Well, that's great. So have you lived a life of, of morality? Well, yes, I have. Well, have you, have you dedicated your life and sacrificed your, your uh, time here on earth to Jesus? Yes, yes, I have. Oh, that's great. Have you been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son? Yes, yes, I have. Oh, that's awesome. Can you tell me about when you did that? Well, it was at a tent meeting when I was 11 years old, and I remember how passionate the preacher was. And at the end of his lesson, he said, I want everybody to put their heads down and close their eyes. Now, I want you to pray with me this prayer. Dear Jesus, I am scared of my eternal destination, and I want to repent of all my sins. 
and I want to take all, I want to give all of my sins to you. I want to give my life to you and I want to follow you and I want to make you Lord of my life. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart to take my heart and to heal it. And from here on out, I'm going to live for you. I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now keep your heads down. Everyone that prayed this prayer with sincerity, while everybody's heads are down, I want you to raise your hand. And when your hand is raised, somebody will come and touch you on the hand. And then that will be your cue after we let everybody's heads come up. I want you to come see me after this service. And so 10 or 15 people come and see the guy after service. And so he says, so did y'all pray the prayer? Yes, we did. Well, y'all are saved. Folks, that man that's on his deathbed, if he tells me that, what book, chapter, and verse can I give him to tell him that's okay? What book, chapter, and verse can I give him to say, oh, yeah, you did it just like the noble Bereans did it. Oh, yeah, you did it just like the Philippian jailer in his household did it. Oh, yeah, you did it just like Paul did it. Oh, yeah, you did it just like the people on the day of Pentecost did it. Oh, yeah, you did it just like the Ethiopian eunuch did it. Can you see the pattern? What do you think I'm going to tell this guy? I'm going to tell this guy, look, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6 that so many of us as were buried with Christ, that we were baptized into Christ. We were baptized into his death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, we also shall be raised again to walk in newness of life. Go on to uh, chapter 6, verse 17. But God be thanked. You were, past tense, the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Well, what, what, what point in time is that? Obeying what from the heart? That which was delivered. Well, what was delivered? Romans First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, the death, burial, and resurrection, and the fact that the resurrected body of Christ was witnessed. You lick your finger and turn left, it's baptism, being buried with him in the watery grave of baptism. So if he isn't baptized on his deathbed, he's not going to heaven. Well, let's ask, ask God. Is he born again? Did he ever, was he ever raised again to walk in newness of life? Give me a book, chapter, and verse. And I know it's difficult. I know it's brutal. I know it sounds like we're judging. But I promise we're not. It's, I can only offer the assurances that are found in this book. This is the only communication we have from God.
So if I, if, don't ask me, almighty God, the man in my scenario, if he's not buried with your son in baptism to be raised again to walk in newness of life and the likeness of his resurrection, has he been added to the church? Has he put on Christ? According to this book, what's the answer? And there's 19 people in here. Put the answer in the comment section. Do you understand how happy I would be if somebody, yes, God is a very loving God. That's why God requires the same thing for the man on his deathbed as he does to you on the other side of that computer screen, as he does to me sitting here, as he does, as he, he required the same thing of people a thousand years ago. For the new covenant of Jesus Christ, you must call on the name of the Lord by taking action, washing your sins away, and being baptized. That's what Ananias came and said to Paul. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. Grammatically, that tells me how to call on the name of the Lord. I can be down there on my knees praying, but I got to get up. I got to take responsibility in the scenario. Let's wash away my sins. How do I wash away my sins? I submit to the watery grave of baptism. I'm telling you, but God is a loving God. Ain't no but. So if he isn't baptized on his deathbed, he's not going to heaven. And God is a loving God. Not but. But implies that God cannot be a loving God and also have prerequisites set on how to obey him. And Saul was told to do that after he spent three days praying. Don't you think, now why didn't that come up? Don't you think, now, don't you think that in three days, Paul, blind, scared, I don't understand. I, Jesus, I just want you to be Lord of my life. Don't you think Paul said some semblance of what we consider the sinner's prayer in modernity? That's conjecture. So, you know, he may not have. So he's going to send all those to hell that says the sinner's prayer? God doesn't send anyone anywhere. If you don't obey God, then you've made a choice to go to hell. If you obey God, you've made a choice to go to heaven. That's an argument from emotion. You haven't given me any book, chapter, and verse. You haven't even given me any logical reasoning. Angela, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. My biological father, he passed from this life. And that's why I was saying earlier, do you understand how happy I would be? If somebody could show me what I've been missing. Oh, here's the sinner's prayer right here in the Bible. This is, this is how they obeyed the gospel in the first century. 
Some people, and, and incidentally, in their hearts, they believe they're going to heaven. Yeah, I know a man that jumped off a 20-story building, and in his heart, he believed he could fly. Angela, I don't think you're dumb. I think you're duped. I think you've been lied to. I am disabled. A lot of people are disabled. A lot of people are disabled. That doesn't mean you can't know what the Bible says and follow it. I know a guy that's got an IQ of about 68. He... He gave me one of the greatest explanations of Ephesians chapter five and walking or redeeming the time that I've ever heard. I had to explain to him what the word redeem meant. So he must redeem the time because the days are evil. All right. So what do you mean? Redeem the time. Redeem means to buy back. And I said, what do you think it means to redeem the time? He said, well, I think that before you obeyed the gospel, you were wasting God's time. And now that you've obeyed the gospel, you need to make up for lost time. Do you realize how many commentaries that I've read that have spent pages explaining that verse and this person who effectively would be classified as mentally retarded He explained it better than any scholar that I've ever heard. Hey, hey, Alabama, you say you aren't dumb. You can understand this lesson. Absolutely. I promise you, you, you are, you, you possess the mental faculties to be able to understand this. I promise it's, we we don't, we don't want to put any barriers to entry for the gospel that are not there. Yeah, it's never too late for a new beginning. As long as you can be baptized, you, I can't see. One more time, gold trap. And now I can see you looking through the dark, th- looking through the thick part of my glasses. It's never too late for a new beginning. As long as you can be baptized, you could be 98 years old and die two seconds later and go to heaven. Jason, there's a, there's a parable about that, isn't it? So uh, a vineyard worker went out in the first hour of the morning, 6 a.m., and he got workers. Then he went out the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. And come come the end of the day, he paid everybody the same wage. Well, the people that worked all day instead of just a couple of hours, they were a little salty about that. And they said, hey, wait, what about this? And the vineyard keeper said, look, this is mine. I'm going to pay as I will. I've, I've, I've contracted with you for one denarii, and you worked all day. What's it matter what I give these other people? I didn't contract with them. I contracted with you. And some of my brethren, they they do get kind of salty whenever, well, you know what? That that, that Jason Goldtrap, he was uh he was hell on wheels for ninety-eight years of his life, and in his ninety-ninth year he obeyed the gospel. And he died three weeks later. I can't believe that sucker is going to be in the same heaven that I am. He was only faithful for three weeks at the end of his life, and I had to be faithful for 50 years. I know some of my brethren think that. What about the good preachers who aren't Church of Christ? 
Angela, I don't get into all that Church of Christ. Um, first off, you've capitalized the C. The Church of Christ that I belong to is the church about which Jesus spake when he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Now, I know that the Riverview Church of Christ is a congregation of people owned by Christ. I do not know any, I, 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 I cannot vouch for any other congregation at the moment. But I do know that there's a whole lot of people, good preachers, in the Church of Christ, capital C, that ain't going to make heaven. It has nothing to do with baptism. It has to do with how they act. Um, I will tell you this. Um, you cannot be a good preacher and preach a false doctrine. You cannot be a good preacher and tell somebody what to do to be saved that includes something that God never said. Most people who believe the sinner's prayer are believing a man and haven't read the scriptures for themselves. Rusty, I think that's 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 true in some cases. I really, really do. Um, I didn't mean to get this bogged down into this, but evidently it's needed. Evidently it's it's content that's needed. Um so the podcast that I had on my mind today was more um was more about adding things to obeying the gospel than it was about removing things. And I think Angela Noble, her her concern is, well, if you say baptism is a prerequisite for salvation, then you're adding things to obeying the gospel. And my my point will always have to be, well, if I'm adding it, then you've got a problem with what Jesus said. And I know it seems overly simple. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. I know in order to be saved, I've got to do at least two things. I've got to believe and be baptized. But if I want to be damned, I just have to stop believing. Again, it has nothing to do with intelligence. If we just go with what the Bible says, this is what we're going to do. We got to obey from the heart that form of doctrine, and the form of doctrine is being buried with Him and being raised again. I was asked, "Is only the Church of Christ going to heaven?" I said, "I don't even think that many." Neil Abbott, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. So, look, I, I've I've got some contemporaries who have seen the problems in the church, and instead of concluding that the church is full of human beings that are not perfect, they have concluded that the church is not perfect. Folks, the church is perfect. I promise you. In fact, I'm thinking I've got some book, chapter, and verse that I could go to to prove that point. I see the same problems. I, I, I think that there are many congregations throughout the United States and Canada that hang a shingle on their building that says the Church of Christ meets here and there's no 
there's nobody that's owned by Christ that meets there. But again, that's, that's perhaps a conversation for another time. Um, we can't reason our way into heaven. We have to do what God said to do to get there. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Alabama. That is absolutely the case. Well, let's talk about, I've, I've written an article and it, it's not out yet. It's actually, it'll, it'll come out tomorrow morning, but lessons for today's church, the Jerusalem council. And because of time constraints, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read, uh, mo- I'll read most of the article. That's right. Nor can we, what if our way. And oh man, I had a Baptist pastor. He, he talking to me and my wife, he tried, it's when we first married. He tried to pull that. Well, what if a guy on the battlefield takes a bullet and the chaplain uh, is praying over his bleeding body and the, and the fellow who's been shot and is dying says, I just want to go to heaven and there's no water to baptize him. And my, my response is, so what? Does that scenario that you've crafted, does it have any bearing whatsoever on what God has said? But I'm going to do you one better. We need to think like God thinks. How many times in that young man's life did he spurn his opportunity that was given to him to obey the gospel? How many times whenever he was in a a, a climate-controlled building with his family and friends, and there was a heated baptistry, a pool of water, how many times did he say, no, this is not for me, and now it's too late? You see, opportunity, and, and oddly enough, I got this from watching an old rerun of the 1950s Mickey Mouse Club, and the guy that he was doing a wrap-up, and he was talking about, he said, yeah, you know, opportunity is like an old man that knocks on the door and he's bald, but he has a really long beard. So when he knocks on the door and you open the door, you've got to reach out and grab him by the beard because if the minute he turns around, you can't grab him. So you've got to grab opportunity when it knocks. You can't open the door and look at it. Because once it passes, it passes. You can't get it back. And so as, as Jason Gotrap said, tragedy is not an excuse for disobedience. It, I mean, I got suspended from Freed Hardeman University. You want me to tell you why? Missing chapel. Missing chapel. You get 10 misses. You get six freebies and you get four that they charge you $25 a piece for. This was back in 1995, 96. They probably charge more for them now, or they may not even have this in practice. I don't know. Well, I ran up. I missed all my 10 right off the bat. So I couldn't miss. I couldn't have another. Now, if I had an excused chapel miss, I could do it. But I could not miss another unexcused chapel, which means if I miss chapel again, I needed a doctor's note. And, um, I woke up right before chapel, just in enough time to stand up, put my clothes on and go to chapel. But I woke up in a pool of blood. I had had a nosebleed in the middle of the night and I've never seen anything like it. So I had blood caked on my face and I had to clean up 
Well, guess what? I missed chapel. And I remember the disciplinary dean at the time. I don't think that, I think they called him the dean of students or something, but it's the disciplinary dean if, if you get on his wrong side. And I went to him, and his name was Dean England. I wouldn't mind talking to I wouldn't mind meeting him again. I was 17 years old at the time. No, I wasn't. I was 18. I turned 18 in August, and this would have been after the new year. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I was 18 years old, and I was sitting there in Dean England's office, and I told him my story about the blood and stuff like that, and he said, man, I hate that. He said, but you understand that the 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 chapel that you missed today because of your nosebleed, that's not the one that got you in trouble. It's the 10 others that you missed when you didn't have a nosebleed. In other words, that kid laying on a battlefield with a, with a, with a gunshot in his body and he's dying. That's not what got him into trouble with God. It's all of the other opportunities to obey the gospel that he spurned. That hit me about the the nosebleed and stuff. And of course the the experience that I had with my biological father, uh, who died suddenly the Sunday before the Monday I went into eleventh grade, uh, made an impact on me, you know. Very good question, uh, Sword and Pearl. What about the thief on the cross? He wasn't baptized. Uh, there's a few ways to uh, think about that. For one, I think he was baptized. I do not think that matters as far as his destination for eternity for his special case. But I do think he was. Let me t- let me tell you why I think he was. Um, hold on a second. Y'all, I'm going to have to cheat here. Okay, I couldn't remember where that was. Let's go to Luke, Luke 23. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, (laughs) Luke 23, I'm 42. And he said unto Jesus, now this is the thief talking, Lord, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom. Now that is the thief. Okay. Hello, Martin and Jason, Jason Goldtrap says we must live by what is written rather than what we wished it said. Absolutely. And let me get this. Let me get this comment from Diana Harden. Um, if I ask my son to go to the store to get me milk and bread, but he only brings home milk then he hasn't done what I said. God says, believe and be baptized. It's both in order to be saved. I'm with you, Diana. So now I'm going to lean into this pretty, pretty stiffly. Without the proper motivation and without the proper intent and involvement of the heart, I can ball you up like a little old bitty pretzel ball and I can baptize you 10 times a day for the rest of your life. And it will not do you one smidgen of good. It's not the baptism 
just like Naaman the leper. I put forth to you that if he would have dunked in the Jordan six times, he would not have been clean. But if he would have said, you know what? I'm going to make sure and I'm going to dip eight times. I do not believe he would have been clean. Even though he would have come up out of the water on the seventh time, because it, it's, it, it's about faith. You have to believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if Naaman the leper would have said, well, I'm going to do what God says, but I'm going to go the extra mile and I'm going to do eight times. I believe if Naaman would have had the attitude that he needed to help God out, in other words, quote unquote, work for his cleansing, I don't believe he would have been cleansed at the seventh dip, just like he wouldn't be cleansed if he purposed to dip six. He wouldn't be cleansed if he purposed to dip eight. Also, um, well, that's it. Yeah. Uh, no one is lost because they were not baptized. They're lost because they sin. Oof. That's a brutal comment. That's absolutely true. That I, I remember the day I heard that, um, I, I didn't hear it just like that, but, uh, I had never thought about it. So there's a picture of a man treading water. There's a picture of another man on a boat with a, with a lifesaver. And the teacher asked, can you tell me what's going on? Well, that man is drowning in the water. Okay. Why does he need saved? Well, because he's, because he's drowning. Why does he need? No. Why does he need saved? Because he can't swim. No. Why does he need saved? Well, because he's, you know, he's, he's going to run out of energy treading water. No, he's, he needs saved because he's not in the boat. He needs saved because he's in the water. People aren't lost because they're not baptized. They're lost because they sin. People don't drown because they can't swim. People drown because they fall in the water. Think about that. Now, back to the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross knew about Jesus' kingdom, Terry Crooks, and that, that's the point I'm making. The thief on the cross, Luke 23, 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou come, comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Truthfully I say unto thee, today thou uh, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now here's what I say to people when it comes to the thief on the cross. Until Jesus whispers into your ear, today you'll be with me in paradise, my suggestion is do what the Bible says. Then the Bible says, uh, that's kind of a generic way of saying it. But so look at the people on the day of Pentecost. You folks are guilty of sin. Everybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, it's the new covenant. We don't we know how to call on the name of the Lord under the Mosaic covenant, but we don't know how to call on the name of the Lord under the new covenant. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They knew they had to do something. They just didn't know what to do. They knew they had to call on the name of the Lord. They just didn't know how. 
will repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 3,000 did it. And what happened to them? According to the to verse 47, the Lord added to the church such as were being saved. You see, they were delivered out of the power of darkness and translated somewhere. Once, once those people on, on the day of Pentecost were delivered out of the power of darkness, where did God put them? The church, the kingdom of his dear son. It's interchangeable. So to ask about the thief on the cross, there, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. Number one, I think the thief on the cross more than likely was baptized because he understood the nature of the kingdom, meaning somebody cooked here. He, he heard the teaching of John or he heard the teaching of Jesus, both of which were repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. In fact, um, going to the book of Mark, chapter woo-hoo, chapter one, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. I'm, it, it's very possible, although I do not think it matters one iota, for the argument, the thief on the cross, I believe, was baptized. He knew too much. All right? Now, let's say he wasn't. The thief on the cross was not baptized. There's a couple, there's still a couple different ways to, to look at this. Number one, under what covenant did the thief on the cross live? Did the thief on the cross live under the Mosaic covenant or under the messianic covenant um let's go to hebrews 9 i had to make sure i i knew what chapter that was in but i cheated and i made sure i, I could looked it up all right hebrews 9 for where a testament is there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For, the, for a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken, so on and so forth. So the thief on the cross lived and died under the Mosaic Covenant. Jesus died and was resurrected and he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high and now we're in the new covenant. The thief's path to salvation is different than our own. So that's one way to look at that. The commandment to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sin was not in effect until Jesus' death. 
And it may not even been in effect until Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the promulgation of the new covenant on the day of Pentecost. Like there's, there's some conversation to be had about that. But clearly, you and I live under the covenant of Christ and the thief lived under the covenant of Moses. There are a plethora of things that the thief would have done and requirements that he would have had that have no application or bearing on us whatsoever. Now, what's the final way to handle that? It's the final, and I'm not sure it's the strongest, but it's definitely something to consider. Do you want to be saved like the thief? I would rather be saved like the eunuch, although I don't want to be a eunuch. But I'd rather be saved like the people on the day of Pentecost. I'd rather be saved like the Ethiopian eunuch. I'd rather be saved like the people in Samaria. I'd rather be saved like the, um, well, the proconsul, uh, Sergius Paulus. I'd rather be saved like those people from Ephesus that Paul ministered to. You see how that works. So now if I, yeah, do you want to be saved like the thief? Okay. Well, then you have to recreate the scenario. So you got to get a time machine. You got to go back in time under the law of Moses. And then you got to steal and get caught. Then you got to be crucified, but you have to make sure you're going to be crucified on the same day Jesus was crucified. And then you've got to stand up for Jesus and stick up for Jesus while you're suffering on the cross. And then you have to hear Jesus saying to you today, you're going to be with me in paradise. That seems not as good as he that believeth and is baptized shall be. And incidentally, I'm focusing on that Mark 16, 15, and 16. You cannot be saved unless you repent. You cannot be saved unless you confess. So, like, we, we focus on baptism a lot, but it's because of Nehemiah 420. It's because that's where that that's where we're attacked a lot. You know, but Nehemiah 420 is resort ye thither the 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 thread is large the defenders are few so whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet resort ye thither and our god will fight for us in other words when you hear the sound of the trumpet that's where we're going to be attacked so resort ye thither and we're going to fight but god's going to fight for us is the idea well you don't hear me say a lot about well now you know you've got to repent in order to be saved cuz I don't know of anybody in Christendom that denies the need for repentance, but they'll deny the need for baptism. And I just don't understand why blows my mind. Anyway, you may not be one of my heirs, but if on my deathbed, I give you $5 that doesn't change the will. Once it goes into effect, Oh dude, you could, you could, you, that's, that's a good illustration and you can, you can magnify it. Like you can make it hyperbole where it's really, it's got, it's got a sense of the absurd where it's kind of easy to see. So I don't know Neil Abbott from Adam's uncle. All right. But I come to him and I pray with him and he says, I kind of like you, Tony. And he writes me a check for $500,000 of his $1 million estate. Now, 
his last will and testament says that 50% of his state's go estate goes to his son and 50% of his estate goes to his daughter. Well, he wrote me a check for 50%. Now I take it to the bank and I get that money transferred to my account. His son and daughter might get mad and say, but he didn't follow the will. His will and testament wasn't in effect while he lived. And he could have given me 100% of his estate while he lived. But now once he died, I can't come and say, hey, while your daddy was alive, Mr. Abbott said he was going to give me 100% of his estate. They, they laughed me out of the room. We don't care what he said on his deathbed. We know that he wrote this with a lawyer while he was of sound mind, and these were his last wishes. That's a good illustration. Neil Abbott says, don't cash that check. Sword and Pearl says, that makes sense. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate that, Sword and Pearl. And listen, this is a this is a terrible topic. Like it's a brutal, 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 hard, divisive topic. That like it's so it's going it's gonna sound weird. I hate this topic. But I gotta I gotta talk about it. And this is not the podcast that I had planned on streaming today but that's okay I, I think this was good i think it was needed and um yeah i just i i don't i don't want to ever come across as promoting quote unquote my denomination i don't have a denomination i don't have a church jesus 2000 years ago died to establish a church and i'm just part of the church he established but I know what I can't do. Sheila Coe, I can't remember if I said hello or not. If I didn't, hello. Um, what I didn't do, or what I can't do, is I cannot compromise on the teaching of God's word. And so if somebody says, well, look, all you got to do is believe that Jesus is the son of God. I'm like, well, I know that you say that, but you got a problem with James chapter 2. Let's see. Bear with me. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And I'm like, so if you're saying that a person just believed that Jesus is the son of God, that that's enough for them to be saved? I can't Bible that. I go to an illustration. Now, an illustration doesn't prove anything. An illustration only shines light. So I, we're in the 100-story building, and it's on fire. And I believe with all my heart that there's a helicopter coming. But I stay on the 50th floor, and I never move. What's going to happen to me? And is it the helicopter pilot's fault? And is it the fault of the person who sent the helicopter? The location of salvation is the church. 
the sphere of the saved is the church. Jesus is returning to claim his church. That's his people. How does one get into the body, the church? If you answer that question with an understanding that Jesus is coming back to get his body, his church, he's the savior of that body, and you can't be saved unless you're part of that body, then the question of baptism becomes moot at that point. It, since I'm in a Googling mood, M-O-O-T. Never mind. That's not the way you use that term. The subject of baptism is not moot. The subject of baptism is irrelevant. I want to be a part of the group of people that Jesus is coming back to get. We're told that's the body. Well, how do I become a part of the body of Christ? How do I put on Christ? There's only one act in the New Testament that puts one into Christ, that adds one to the body of Christ, and that's baptism. We don't have to talk about that. No, I <laughs> know it don't. Look at that. I'm putting you on blast. <laughs> Moot means someone that can't speak. I, contextually, that would be me. I'm moot. I can't speak. <laughs> anyway, I can't Bible that. We need a, We need that on a T-shirt. Man, don't we? I've got a, I've, I'm working with my buddy, Ayo Kun Lee, and I need some help setting up a store and stuff like that because I just don't have enough bandwidth to deal with it. And hopefully we're going to get a store set up like a print-on-demand drop ship, and we're going to start doing some of this stuff. Anyway, folks, I don't want to come across as a raven lunatic. I don't want to come across like, uh, do you remember years ago those Westboro Baptist people that were saying God aids F-A-G-S and all that good stuff. I don't want to come across as a, as a, I don't want to come across as a nut job. I don't want to come across as unempathetic and I don't want to come across as unloving. I do want to preach the whole counsel of God. And if you have any questions at all about something I've said today, and if you have questions at all about your salvation and your stay and your condition eternally, Send me a message. In fact, I'll put the captions up. Uh, this is for show topics and questions. Uh, if you have a question about anything we've covered, Christianity is now gmail.com. I'd love to study with you. In fact, um, I would love let, let's we would have to be careful how we did it. But if you were like Tony, what you said doesn't sit well with me. And look, I've been here before, by the way. Tony, what you said doesn't sit here with me. Set, set well with me. What you've said here doesn't sit well with me. I feel like it's wrong. But I cannot prove it to be wrong. 
So I want to come on the live stream and I want to push back against it just a little bit. I would invite you on. Now be respectful. Don't, don't, don't be mean. Don't be vitriolic, but I'd have you on. We could talk about it. And the people in the audience could jump in. And if they're mean, we take care of them. So don't, if somebody does come on and wants to talk about this, if you folks in the audience don't be mean to them and I'll try not to be mean to them. I, I don't, I don't do it perfectly every time. Sometimes I get real passionate and I forget that we're discussing things. We're discussing ideas and convictions that people hold in their heart. And I come across sometimes like I'm attacking the person because I, 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 I attack forthrightly and without mercy false doctrines. So I've got, I mean, that, that's a weakness of mine that I've got to be really careful about. I'll just tell you. So, uh, anyway, I didn't mean to get all personal there at the end. Feelings do not morph into facts because of how feelings do not morph into facts because how strongly they are held or how long they endure. Melvin Ote. Absolutely. Tony, as always, you've hit it out of the park with this issue. Thank you for speaking God's truth. Well, thank you so much. And, and Sword Pearl says, I love this channel. That means a lot to me. I, 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 Y'all, look, if you're a human being and you got blood thump, pumping through your veins, all you want to do is, is, is live a good, meaningful life and spend an eternity in heaven. Even if we disagree, you're not my enemy. You might be God. You might be God's enemy. I'm not saying you're not. Like you, you may be a rank false teacher that just teaches lies about the Bible. That doesn't make you my enemy. That makes you God's enemy. You might be an enemy of the cross, is what I'm under, is what I'm saying. But my my desire is to treat everybody. As if all they want to do is love God and do what God wants. And if a person has been mistaken, even if they've been mistaken for years, if they just had the right piece of keystone information, they'd come out of that. And that's the only way I can function. Because if, if I have to, if I function any other way, then what's the use in me doing anything? It's like beating my head against a wall. So, Check out Substack for this uh, this article that's going to drop tomorrow morning, the Jerusalem Council, and I'll give you the headings. The Jerusalem Council, Lessons for Today's Church, that's the title. The Heart of the Matter, The Jerusalem Council's Decision, Modern Implications, Overcoming Barriers to the Gospel, Legalism versus Grace, Cultural Uniformity versus Unity and Diversity, exclusivity versus inclusivity. Y'all, y'all listen to the, the podcast you almost got today. <laughs> the path forward, embracing a grace filled outreach. And then there's one, two, three, four ways that we can embrace a grace filled outreach. That's what we want to talk about. That was, well, I say this when we, we, we obviously, we needed this topic of conversation today, but Check out this article tomorrow. It's a free subscription. 
unless you just want to give me $5 a month or give me and Aaron $5 a month, then it's a $5 a month subscription, but it's free. And you'll, you'll get, we'll, we'll have some stuff behind the paywall this year, but you won't trust me. We're going to put out so much stuff for free that you're not going to miss the, the page stuff. All right, guys, thank you so much. I feel so very, very selfish. I feel like I get way more out of this than y'all do. Uh, this really helps me and it helps me in my local work because it orders my thoughts and it, and it helps me be a better minister of the gospel. God bless every one of you. Remember Substack Christianity. Now Christianity now streams on YouTube. We'd love your subscription. We'd love to be monetized by the end of the year. And for those of you that like to listen to podcast, go to Podbean, Apple podcast, Spotify, TuneIn radio, and the audio for these uh, episodes are uploaded there, every one of them. And that's all we've got. God bless every one of you. Thank you so much. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. Hopefully I've said something today that's wrinkled your brain, that's caused you to question, or that has um, encouraged you in your journey to eternity. God bless you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.